Good morning, and welcome to Current Radio. It's Tuesday, January 9th. We're looking at a new project that uses isotopes to pinpoint the birthplaces of the enslaved and how boosting microbiome science worldwide could save millions of children's lives. Plus, we'll discuss the launch of a private U.S. moon mission and whether it will open a new era for science and delve into nature's hidden treasures as new algae species rewrite scientists' understanding of reef systems. All this coverage and more, up next. Welcome to Current Radio's Science Station. Please enjoy today's selection of science news. In Charleston, South Carolina, a surprising discovery was made during a construction project in 2013, human bones. These remains, found in a late 18th century burial ground, were believed to belong to enslaved Africans. Charlotte, can you share more about this discovery and the subsequent efforts to identify and honor these individuals? Absolutely, Diego. The city enlisted a cultural anthropologist named A.D. Ofunian, also known as Dr. O, to lead the efforts to identify these individuals who came to be known as the ancestors. Ofunian, who passed away in 2020, worked tirelessly to learn their histories and honor their identities. He even presided over a traditional Yoruba naming ceremony for them in 2019. It's fascinating to hear about the lengths taken to honor these individuals. What happened after Ofunian's passing? The Anson Street African Burial Ground Project took up the mantle after Ofunian's passing. They continued his work, which included obtaining permission from Charleston's African-American community to extract DNA samples from the ancestors' remains. The DNA analysis revealed that many of the ancestors hailed from West Central Africa, West Africa, or Sub-Saharan Africa. One individual was found to have mixed West African and Native American heritage. That's an incredible use of modern science to uncover history. But I understand there's more to the story than just DNA analysis. Indeed, Diego. Vicki Elzey, an anthropologist at the University of California, Santa Cruz, uses a tool called isotope mapping to trace the origins of the ancestors with more precision. By focusing on specific isotopes found in the ancient bedrock of Angola, Oels and her team were able to create a map showing where different concentrations of these isotopes are found. They then compared this to the isotopes found in the ancestors' teeth, allowing them to pinpoint specific regions in Angola where these individuals likely originated. That's remarkable. So what's next for this project? Elze plans to create maps using a variety of isotopes to reveal increasingly specific details about an enslaved person's early life. Over time, these findings will help form a more complete picture of the entire transatlantic slave trade. Meanwhile, the Anson Street African Burial Ground Project continues to work towards Ofunian's vision. They plan to create a monument at the site where the ancestors were reinterred, incorporating bronze casts of the hands of 36 Charleston residents who roughly match the ancestors' heritage, sexes, and ages at death. A poignant tribute indeed. And speaking of human experiences, let's delve into the fascinating area of the human microbiome, the collection of bacteria, fungi, and viruses that live on and in our bodies. However, there's a significant imbalance in the data we have, with over 70% of published human microbiome data coming from European and North American populations, despite these regions making up less than 15% of the global population. Charlotte, can you shed some light on this disparity and its implications? Absolutely, Diego. This imbalance in data is concerning because the gut microbiota of individuals can differ significantly depending on where they live. This means that the development of microbiome-based therapeutics which are currently being explored for diseases common in high-income countries, may not be effective for individuals in low- and middle-income countries or elamites. 
These regions face conditions such as malnutrition and infectious diseases that are affected by the microbiota and are often overlooked in research. So we're potentially missing out on vital information that could help address health issues in these underrepresented regions. Exactly. For instance, undernutrition, which is associated with nearly half of all deaths of children under five, could potentially be addressed through microbiome research. Studies have shown that certain food ingredients can promote the growth of bacterial strains underrepresented in malnourished children, leading to improved growth and healthier microbiomes. However, this research was conducted in Bangladesh, highlighting the importance of location-specific studies. So what needs to be done to address this imbalance and accelerate microbiome research globally? There are several steps that could be taken. First, establishing regional centers of excellence dedicated to microbiome research in LMICs could enable long-term sampling and preservation of strain-level microbial diversity. Second, developing microbial culture collections, particularly from children, could provide valuable resources for microbiome research. Finally, fostering long-term collaborations between well-resourced laboratories in Europe and North America and researchers in LMICs could help build capacity and expertise in these regions. It sounds like a concerted global effort is needed to ensure that microbiome research benefits all populations. And in another significant global effort, a private robotic spacecraft was launched from Florida recently aiming to become the first U.S. mission to land on the moon since 1972. The spacecraft, known as Peregrine, is built by Astrobotic and carries five scientific instruments built by NASA. Charlotte, can you give us more details about this mission and its significance? Absolutely, Diego. This launch is part of NASA's Commercial Lunar Payload Services CLPS program, which is essentially a way for NASA to outsource future robotic lunar missions to private companies. NASA is planning for an average of two CLPS flights each year, with as many as six possible in 2024. If successful, this will open a new era in lunar research. So what are some of the challenges that the Peregrine mission faces? Well, landing on the moon is a difficult process. Only the Soviet Union, the United States, China, and India have successfully achieved soft landings on the moon. No private company has ever done it. Peregrine still has to successfully enter lunar orbit and then touch down safely. The landing attempt is planned for 23rd February. What kind of scientific work is Peregrine expected to conduct if the landing is successful? Peregrine is carrying a variety of instruments from NASA and others. Among the non-NASA payloads are a set of tiny rovers from Mexico, which will be Latin America's first lunar mission, and a detector from Germany that will measure radiation levels on the lunar surface. The NASA instruments on board will hunt for volatile elements, such as water, one of them is a mass spectrometer that will measure the composition of volatile substances in the soil and atmosphere, including in the lunar dust kicked up by Peregrine during landing and by the roaming mini-rovers. These instruments aim to analyze how volatile molecules move around on the lunar surface. I understand there's also been some controversy surrounding non-scientific payloads, including cremated human remains. Can you tell us more about that? Yes, that's correct. The most controversial are cremated human remains destined for the lunar surface, provided by two companies that aim to memorialize people in space. The Navajo Nation has lodged a complaint against putting the ashes on the moon, describing it as desecration of a celestial object that is sacred to the Navajo people. NASA has a meeting planned with Navajo leaders, as well as with the U.S. Department of Transportation, to discuss next steps. This is indeed a significant development in lunar exploration. And in another groundbreaking discovery, an international team of marine scientists have identified and officially named 
four species of algae new to science, found in the Great Barrier Reef and unique reef systems of the Coral Sea and Lord Howe Island. Charlotte, could you tell us more about this discovery and its implications? Absolutely, Diego. The team led by Griffith University has challenged previous taxonomical assumptions within the Porolithon genus. These algae are crucial for cementing the delicate frameworks of coral reefs and sustaining marine biodiversity in tropical and subtropical waters. The discovery of these new species not only adds to the rich biodiversity of these areas, but also highlights the importance of continuous research and conservation efforts. Could you tell us more about these newly discovered species? Sure, Diego. The four new species are Porolithon lobulatum, Porolithon parvulum, Porolithon panaculum, and Porolithon howensis. Each of these species has unique characteristics and can be distinguished based on features such as their thallus growth form, margin shape, and internal anatomy. For instance, Porolithon lobulatum has branched forms and lobed free margins, while Porolithon panaculum exhibits a mountain-like, columnar morphology. What does this discovery mean for our understanding of the coral reef ecosystem? This discovery challenges our understanding of the algae within the Porolithon genus. It emphasizes the need for further exploration and conservation of the Great Barrier Reef and its unique inhabitants. These Porolithon species are very sensitive to the impacts of ocean acidification and warming. The potential risks of losing this diversity to climate change make it urgent that we recognize and document this diversity. As Associate Professor Diaz Polito, the research team leader, said, we can't protect what we don't know. A significant discovery indeed serving as a reminder of the importance of continuous research and conservation efforts. And with that, we wrap up our stories for today. We appreciate you tuning into Current Radio, and we look forward to having you back here tomorrow.